So let's get into this. Uh, today, um, we're, we're talking about Samson, and uh, I love the thought of Samson, champ or chump, because there's a lot in Samson's story um, that could make you think either of those. But, you know, we've been talking about the path of wisdom out of Proverbs, Right? And hasn't it been an incredible uh, series? You've been enjoying this. Um, so I want to start off, before we get into Samson's story, in Proverbs 3, 1 through 8. Because when I read this proverb, I, I think a lot of Samson and his decisions and his life. So check this out. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let... Oh, too soon. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your net. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, if you think of Samson, and you're going to hear his story in a moment, there's a lot of this that Samson, you know, should have applied, but he did not. Now, being raised in church and attending Sunday school, and by the way, Pastor Jason and Ms. Reyna were my Sunday school teachers before they were my youth pastors, so we have a, a running history with that, uh, and, and it was just awesome, but they always brought donuts, so I paid close attention. It was great. I'm um, sorry, I didn't think to bring donuts for you guys today. But I hope you'll still pay close attention. Amen? But uh, being raised in church and going to Sunday school, and you learn about these Bible characters, and Samson is always this prominent one. It's like, man, he's like a superhero to a kid. He's able to do all these crazy things, and, you know, he tears a lion in half, and he, you know, beats up a thousand guys with a jawbone of a donkey, and just really wild things that we're going to read about in a moment. But something that we don't really learn about as kids is the majority of Samson's life is him doing his own thing. Like just going about his own plan instead of God's plan for his life, right? And I think there's a lot we can learn from Samson because even though Samson had a Nazarite vow, we all, in a sense, have a vow to God if we've received Jesus Christ as our Savior to live for him. Amen? So when we look at this person of Samson... Um, we think, you know, wow, it's, there's a lot to be said of somebody who goes through trials and tribulations and difficulties yet maintains their faith in God and trust in God. But isn't it true that whenever someone makes a mistake or messes up, it's that that is remembered way more than a good track record, right? Like you think of pastors and athletes and politicians and, and different people who might have prominence in a community. They might do amazing things with their life. They might help a lot of people or do good things, but then there's that one affair or that, that mistake that gets public attention. All of a sudden, that is what they are forever known for, right? And when I look at Samson's life, there's so much that he did and could have done for the benefit of God's kingdom. And he's remembered for a lot of things, both good and bad. We're going to look at some of those things today. So I'm excited about that. Are you excited to get into God's word? Um, we're not going to have this on the screen, but this is Numbers chapter 6. God gives Moses um, an outline of what the Nazarite vow is. Now, Nazarite, in the Hebrew translation, it, it, it's a term that 
uh, translates into dedication by separation. And basically what it is, is it's consecration to God. Now, it would take forever to read it, but in the Old Testament, the Nazarite vow could last for days, weeks, months, or even years. So a lot of times we think of Samson, and he was born into this, but that was a rare thing. Usually a Nazarite vow is, is similar to when someone wants to fast and get closer to God or hear the voice of God or, you know, they're working through something. The same thing. The Nazarite vow was this consecration before God. It's an outward standard of living to show an inward dedication to God. So some of the main commitments include this. You can't Eat anything from a grapevine or, or use anything, or raisins, grapes. You can't drink the, the juice or the wine. You couldn't cut your hair. You couldn't touch or even be near a dead body. Now, it, it, it's interesting because we see a lot of those things that Samson does, and yet he was born into this vow, right? So in Judges chapter 13, uh, there's this angel that appears before of Samson's parents. Now, a lot of times when we think of an angel appearing before uh, a woman and saying, hey, you're going to give birth to a son, we immediately think Mary, right? Well, this also happens in Judges chapter 13 with Samson's parents. And the angel told them that he would have, uh, you know, he would be born into a Nazarite vow and would keep it for his entire life and that this child would be a mighty judge of all Israel and deliver Israel out of the, the, the problems they had with the Philistines. Because in that day, it says that the Israelites were living very dark. In fact, it says that they were doing what was right in their own sight. That sounds pretty familiar, right? It, it says the Israelites were doing what was right in their own sight. Like, I, I look around in, in our culture today, and that's exactly what I see, Right? Well, this is what I believe, and this is okay to me, so don't judge me, right? But it's interesting that this is the book in the Bible called Judges, and that Samson was called to be a judge, and yet people get so offended about being judged. But here's the thing. Man, when you're doing what is right in your own sight, it's not going to get you very far, right? So... Uh, this dedication by separation, this Nazarite vow that Samson was born into. He was placed to be a judge. Now, this was an age before kings. So this was before King Saul. This was before King David. And God had placed Samson to deliver the Israelites. Okay, And Samson had everything that, that the makings of, a, of a, an amazing person in the history of Israel. But the thing is, Samson... He never really kept his focus where it needed to be. And we're going we're gonna to learn a lot about that today. The Bible says that the Spirit of God would come upon Samson. Now, we often picture Samson as this, you know, muscular meathead kind of guy, right? Like this, this big gorilla man that's just, you know, lumbering around, you know, oh, you know, I'm going to kill a thousand people with a donkey's jawbone and do all this crazy stuff. But, like, use your imagination with me, if you will. Like, what if Samson was, like, a scrawny dude? And so when the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him, it was just that much more obvious that it was God and not Samson. I'm just saying. Like, what if Samson was built like me? That'd be pretty amazing, right? Like, wow, look at that guy. That must be God because, you know. Or on the flip side, if you want to use your imagination and say, yeah, I bet Samson was built like Pastor Anthony. Look at him. It's very Samson-like. Right? When I see Anthony, I think Samson. 
But Judges chapter 13, uh, verse 24 says this. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mehenadan between Zorah and Eshtel. Now, it's important that it, it, it notes where the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon Samson's life. Because you and I may be able to think back on a time when we first experienced the Spirit of the Lord moving in our lives. Maybe when we first experienced the love of God in that, that life-changing way. Maybe it was at a camp or a retreat that you went to as a young person or even recently. Or maybe it was here at Coastline or, or another Bible-believing church. And, and you experienced the love of God in such an amazing way that you felt the Spirit of the Lord moving upon your life. You remember the place. You remember the time, right? And I bet as I'm saying that, maybe you're even going back there in your mind. And it's a beautiful thing to remember what God has done in your life. And so this happened to Samson between Zorah and Eshtol. And that's very important that it notes that. Look at what it says in the very next verses in Judges chapter 14 in verse 1. It says this, now Samson went down. Everyone say, went down. He went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up, everyone say went up, and told his father and mother saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. He went down to Timnah. Samson, what are you thinking? Like, like, you got to think about this for a minute. Timnah is miles from where he first experienced the Lord. It's miles from that place between Zorah and Eshtol where he experienced the Spirit of God moving mightily upon his life. So here we see already Samson is kind of doing his own thing and going his own way and going down his own path. Remember, any step that isn't towards God is a step down. Everyone say down. Now, you may be here this morning, and you may think, well, you know, I don't know. Really, any step that isn't toward God is a step down? I mean, I'm not necessarily walking straight towards God. You know, I'm not on the straight and narrow. Like, you know, I feel like I'm doing good when I'm at church or when I'm around other Christians. But, I mean, come on, really? Any step that isn't towards God is a step down? I don't feel like I'm going down, but here's the thing, if, if you're not moving forward with God, then, then what's happening in your life? Any step that isn't toward God is a step down. So what happens with Samson? Samson marries this Philistine woman. Do you realize like, how big of a deal this is? She is the enemy. And Samson, who is called by God to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines, he marries one of them. The Philistines hated and persecuted Israel. And here we see Samson going down to a Philistine territory, hanging out where he's not supposed to, and he falls for a Philistine woman. So let's look and see what happens next. He finds himself in a, one situation after another, and we're going to see this progression of sin in Samson's life. And honestly, we can all relate, and I believe we're going to all be able to get something good out of this this morning. Amen? Judges 14, verse 5. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Stop right there. 
Now, this is a different visit to Timnah. So Samson is returning to enemy territory, and this time he's in a vineyard. He's not even supposed to eat a grape. (laughs) And here's Samson in a vineyard in enemy territory. What is he doing? So I love this. Now to his surprise. So stop right there. Isn't that like us when we are wandering around in our own agenda and doing our own thing and maybe even dabbling in sin or giving into that temptation that presents itself before us and then something goes wrong and we're surprised, right? Isn't that true? We're, we're willingly sinning or, or giving in here and there. Well, that's not that big of a deal. And then, but then something happens in our life and we're all of a sudden, whoa, where was God? Right? I'm so surprised that this happened. But here's the amazing thing that we're about to read. And, and it says this. This is the surprise. I don't know if any of us can relate to this type of surprise. But this is the surprise for Samson. It says a young lion came roaring against him. All right. Now, th- this is an incredible Old Testament picture of God's grace. It says, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart. Now, two things here. First thing, that is very graphic. <laughs> I mean, this dude tore a lion apart with his bare hands. All right, so that's rated R, all right? And, and if there was footage of this, I probably would want to see it. Just saying. Like, I mean, whoa, that's... But the second thing, and most importantly... Samson, he's doing his own thing. He's going where he's not supposed to go. And yet, says the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. That's amazing to me. God didn't have to let that happen. But the spirit of the Lord still moved mightily upon Samson. Wow. Even though he strayed from the path. Even though he was putting himself in the wrong situation. And later on in this chapter, the same thing happens, but this time he kills 30 Philistines. And here's the crazy part. The reason that this happened is because Samson's wife wouldn't tell them the answer to a riddle that Samson came up with. And they were really uh, mad about that, and they rose up against him, but he killed him. And, uh, and, and so this guy obviously has, you know, some issues, but you know, this is all over a riddle. Um, but needless to say, Samson and his wife, they separate. Okay, they separate. And in Judges chapter 15, Samson returns to this wife and his father-in-law was like, man, I thought you hated her. So I married her off to somebody else. So this makes Samson really mad. It it ticks Samson off. So look at what Samson does in response in Judges 15 verse 4. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes. And he took torches and turned the foxes tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. Very creative, Samson. <laughs> and when he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grains as well as the vineyards and olive groves. Now that's an interesting way to burn a place down. I don't know how Samson came up with this. He was probably hanging out in a vineyard, okay? But he's like, I got a good idea. I'm going to catch 300 foxes and then tie their tails together and put a torch in it. And then that's how we're going to do this. But this causes an even bigger problem. All right? Now, again, I keep saying, okay, this happened and then this caused this problem and this caused this problem. This is the progression of sin in life. 
right? If we don't deal with it, if we don't get back on track, if we don't stay on the path of wisdom like we've been learning about, man, sin has a progression and it will only get worse because the wages of sin is death, right? So look at what happens. This is a huge problem that Samson's actions cause. This actually uh, makes the Philistines deploy army movement against Judah. So the Israelites are now mad at Samson for doing this. So the Philistine army is beginning to move against Israel. Israel is obviously mad at Samson because he did this and caused that deployment. (laughs) And remember, Samson is the one who's supposed to be delivering Israel from the Philistines. But here we see the, Phil- the, the Israelites actually tie up Samson to deliver him to the Philistines. What? So, so check this out. It says in verse 14, the spear of the Lord again came mightily upon Samson. All right? And, and he, he broke free from the rope that was binding him. And this is the crazy part. He broke free from the ropes and found the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Now, like, this is very interesting to me, and again, very creative of Samson, because I don't know about you, but if there's a thousand guys attacking me, I'm not, I'm going to look around for the best weapon possible. Oh, here's a jawbone of a donkey. This will do, right? But it says the spear of the Lord moved mightily upon Samson, and he was able to take down a thousand guys with the jawbone of a donkey, but here's the sad pattern that I see in Samson's life so far. This is all just a game to him. This is all just a game. He was called to be a judge and deliver God's people from the Philistines. But instead, we never see Samson putting forth any strategic effort in fulfilling his God-given call. If you read the whole story of Samson, you will never see him having a strategy You will never see him saying, all right, all right, I messed up here, but I'm going to get back on track. God, forgive me. Thank you for still allowing your spirit to move mightily upon me. And now I'm back on track, and I'm going to judge Israel the way you've called me to, and I'm going to deliver them from the Philistines. You never see that in his story. Instead, he's doing his own thing. And man, it's so much like us. In Judges 16, now this this is, again, the progression of sin. And remember, I said that Samson never really has a strategy. You have to have a strategy because your walk with God, it's not going to just happen. Do you hear that? Listen, sin doesn't just happen. Did you know that? Sin, like I know it says to our surprise, you know, but the truth is sin always starts with just a little thing here, a little thing there. And then it, blows out of proportion and gets crazy and we lose control. We were never in control in the first place if God wasn't in control, right? But if you don't have a strategy, then you will fall. And Samson did not have a strategy. Every decision thus far had been made in self-centeredness. So in Judges 16, again, the progression of sin, this time Samson goes to a Philistine prostitute. (laughs) And here we see the enemy gets him this time, hooker, line, and sinker. <laughs> so, Samson, he's, he's with this prostitute, and the Philistines hear that he's in town. 
And so they devise this plan that they're going to plot to kill him and, and they're going to rise up against him in the morning. So look at what Samson does in Judges 16.3. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he rose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. <laughs> That's a crazy way to kind of just show what you're working with. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he pulled up the gate of the city and threw it on his back and went up a hill. Like these guys that were about to attack him probably changed their mind. Okay. But here's the crazy part. Because Samson could pull stuff off like this, he thought he was untouchable. And instead of thanking God for allowing God's spirit to move mightily in his life, it, it caused him to charge blindly into his own agenda and it developed a complacency. Samson had power without purity and strength without self-control. Now here's, here's the part that blows my mind. This up to this point went on for 20 years. Now being raised in church, going to Sunday school, learning about Samson, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I think everything that we've just read thus far occurred in like a weekend. Right? I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but I, that's what I think. Okay, yeah. So he, he killed the lion. He killed a thousand guys with a jawbone. And then, you know, there was a Delilah thing. And, you know, that was just like a bad week for Samson. But no, this was 20 years of Samson doing his own thing. 20 years. Two decades. And instead of looking to God, he looked to his own will and his own agenda. When you realize you have a God-given destiny, you've got to strive towards it. You've got to do all you can to stay in it because the enemy is doing all he can to pull you out of it, right? So again, if you don't have a strategy, it is impossible. Amen? You were called to be set apart. You have purpose. So don't be so swayed by the enemy on things that seem gratifying now. Now, Samson had this Nazarite vow, and it was pretty strict. But you and I, as children of God, we have this, this amazing relationship and vow, if you will. And we are called to be set apart. The Bible says that. Amen? And so if we're not careful, anything that presents itself and, and the way this world goes, if we don't have strategy to stick with it and stay on that path of wisdom, we're going to wander off the path. Right? So this next part of Samson's life, we're going to look at Judges 16, verse 4. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong, and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please, Tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Now, I don't know what's going through Samson's mind when Delilah is saying this, but the problem is Samson is even entertaining the thought. And 
we're not going to read it all, but this actually happens four times. Delilah says, you know, please tell me the source of your strength and what can I tie you up with to make you lose your strength. And so Samson's like, okay, new bowstrings. Tie me up with new bowstrings and I'll be just as weak as anybody else. So she does that. He falls asleep. And then she goes, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Of course, Samson snaps free from that and beats the guys up. The next round, he gets tied up with new rope. He tells Delilah, hey, if you just tie me up with new rope, then, you know, you, I'll be bound and I won't be able to get free. Of course, that wasn't true. Delilah says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He breaks free, beats the guys up. Okay. Next round, Samson's like, okay, okay, this is what you have to do. You have to weave my hair with a certain fabric and it'll make me weak. And of course, that was not true <laughs> again. And the same pattern happened. And then this time, Delilah was very upset with him. And she was like, please tell me. And, and Samson actually ends up telling her. But what's fascinating about this story is that Delilah asks where his strength lies. Samson tells her different lies that he would be without strength, bind me with this, tie me up with that. But the real question is, why is Samson even having the conversation? Because isn't that like us with sin? Why are we even entertaining the thought? It shouldn't happen, and yet we find ourselves in these conversations and entertaining the thought, well, you know, what would it be like if I did that? Or, man, you know, that isn't really the source of my strength, so I'm just going to kind of play around with that. And then, you know, because it's not going to make me any weaker. My walk with God is strong enough. Samson's having this conversation. And the truth is, if you're having that conversation, that is a, a big warning sign, big red flag, that you aren't strong enough. So, Listen to this. We fall into life-altering sin one compromise at a time. So again, this didn't just happen out of nowhere. This happened one compromise at a time. And it's just like us toying with the enemy. You may not realize it, but you've had this conversation. The same conversation that Delilah had with Samson. And I have too. We think that we're strong enough. Or we think that we can put ourselves in those situations. Or we think we can drink that or smoke that or or go to that website because, oh, it's not going to really make my walk with God waver because, you know, I feel like I'm in a good place, way better than I was before. And, man, again, if we're even having that conversation, red flag, right? Martin Luther said this, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can definitely stop it from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) And I love that right? You can't stop temptation from presenting itself, but you can definitely build up your self-control and focus on the Lord to not walk into that temptation. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Can I get an amen? He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So when You are tempted. He will show you a way out so that you can endure. The problem is we're not looking for a way out when we're tempted. You're not going to be tempted with something that isn't really, you know, gratifying to you. When you're tempted, it's going to be something that is appealing. It's going to be something that you feel like you want or you need. But we have to train our spirits to trust the Lord so much that when we recognize, hey, this is not of God and I'm being tempted with it, we're looking for a way out. And Samson didn't do that. You only flirt with sin for so long before you give in. So think about it. Even the Bible in Hebrews says that sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin is fun until it traps someone. It's just so true. 
It's so true. And maybe you can think back to a time in life where you know you were doing something that was not God's way, but it was fun. But you see where you ended up. And you realize in hindsight, wow, so true. Sin will always take you further than you meant to go, keep you longer than you meant to stay, and cost you more than you ever meant to pay. So let's finish this story in Judges 16. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Stop right there. That breaks my heart reading. Because Samson said, I was dedicated to God. See, a lot of times we think back to those moments with God. Man, oh yeah, that that was when I was baptized, or that was when I had that experience at the altar, or you know, this is when this happened, or but but what does it look like right now? So Sam said he was dedicated as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Verse 18 says, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him, there's that word again, down, and his strength left him. So here's something to consider. What's your Delilah in your life? What is, what is that thing that is nagging you and tempting you and, and getting you to compromise and getting you to feel like, okay, well, it's not that big of a deal. What's your Delilah in your life? And here's another thing to think about. When Samson finally gave in and told Delilah the source of his strength, what did he say? What was the source of his strength? You can say it. He said that the source of his strength was that his hair had never been cut, the length of his hair. But the problem is it wasn't Samson's long hair that was the source of his strength. It was his commitment to God not to cut it. And so if we're not careful, we can have this outward appearance. Man, Samson had the, out, man, he had the long hair like a Nazarite does. But what does the inward commitment to God look like? And man, we got we to gotta look at our hearts today, guys. What does our inward commitment to God look like? Because on the outside, we can look like a good Christian. But on the inside, it's our commitment to God and our love for him that really matters. And if we aren't careful, we can think we can stand up to sin. So what's your Delilah? Think about that as we continue. Judges 16, 20 through 21. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. And they took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Did you know that we are all free to ignore the commandments of God? Like, you can. You can ignore them. You can straight up disobey them. You're free to do that. But do you know what you aren't free from? The consequences. And, and a lot of times, we think, well, I don't have to do that, or I don't have to do that. I know I made that commitment, but I don't have to do that. And God's like, you're right, because I gave you a free will. But we aren't free from the consequences. They gouged out his eyes. Samson lost his vision. And I believe Samson lost his spiritual vision long before he lost his physical vision. Because if he would have kept his spiritual vision and remembered the vow that he made to God as a Nazarite and stayed on track, he wouldn't have ended up in this situation. 
But man, again, so much like us, we so easily lose our vision for what God has called us to be. More than conquerors, overcomers, amen? Samson, the mighty judge of Israel, has now played sin's game and fallen into the hands of the ones he was called to overpower. But just as the Old Testament grace picture was in the fact that the Spirit of God began to move mightily upon him, we see this again in this short verse, Judges sixteen twenty two. But before long, his hair began to grow back. But before long, Samson's hair began to grow back. You need to realize today that failure isn't fatal. I'm going to say it again because I believe somebody in this place needs to hear that. Failure isn't fatal unless you allow it to be. Your failure is not fatal unless you allow it to be. I believe this verse is talking about more than just his hair. Samson was in a repentant state before God, and he realized his weakness and his great need for the power of God in his life. God never consults your past to create your future. And thank God for that, right? Because if God dipped into our past and then, okay, well, this is what your future looks like now, then we would all be without hope, right? But here's the amazing thing. God doesn't consult your past to show you your future. He consults your calling that he had for you before you were even born. Like God dips into, okay, well, before they were even born, I loved them and have a plan and a purpose for them. And so this is what their future is. Amen? Before the foundations of the world were even laid, he loved us. He had a plan for us. Your call is always higher than your fall. So I can just imagine Samson. He's grinding at this mill in prison, and his hair is beginning to grow back, and he may, may start to feel the hair touch his face. And he's blind, remember? So he's grinding at this mill, and he feels his hair now. And I just got to believe that in doing so, he's remembering those times when the Spirit of God moved mightily on his life. Man, yeah, I, I remember Man, I remember when God came into my life there at Eshtel, between Eshtel and Zorah. I, rem- I remember that. And with that, with his hair growing back, I believe that Samson's heart was growing back. Because he was remembering that, you know what, God isn't done with him. So maybe you've given in to sin, you've fallen just like Samson. You've lost your vision for God's calling on your life. Or maybe you're dabbling in sin, just a little here, a little there, but you realize now how serious the consequences can actually be. In the New Testament, long after Samson did what he did, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see this hall of faith. It's kind of like the hall of fame of people throughout God's word who did amazing things for God. And in in verse 32, we see this. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. So here we see Samson made the cut. Like his name is listed and he's listed among some amazing people. But how much more could have been said of Samson? If he wasn't just following his own will and doing his own thing and going his own way man, how much more could be said of me? How much more could be said of you if you decide, wow, I need to stay on this path of wisdom. I need to stay in the calling that God has for me, this commitment that I've made to him. 
because he wants to use you in a mighty way. So back to the story. Samson's hair begins to grow back. The Philistines throw this big party. Thousands of people are there. They're worshiping their false gods. And here we see Samson in this next verse in Judges. Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple and pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire life. Samson realized that God wasn't done with him. And so he cried out to God for him to have one more victory. And here's the thing. Oftentimes we feel like our failure, it's, it's just done. We've, we've let God down. We've let him down. We've all felt that and maybe you feel like that right now. But here's the freeing thing. We can never let God down because we were never holding him up in the first place. Amen? Because it is so freeing when you realize that what I do and what I'm involved in, both good and bad, it's not what is dictating the faithfulness of God. He's faithful. It's who he is. He's love. It's who he is. But we have to be on track with him and on the path with him, with our eyes fixed on him. Amen? But you can't let God down. God has given you destiny. You may have fallen and failed, but you need to hear that God is not done with you. He's not done with you. He wants you to live in victory. Man, Samson cried out for one final victory, but today God wants to tell you, you're supposed to be living in victory because of what Jesus did. Amen? Because of what Jesus Christ did for us, we can walk every day in victory. It doesn't have to be this this big thing where, you know, oh man, one thing leads to another, leads to another, just like Samson's life. And so you just got to kind of cry out, okay, just one more victory, God. No, because of what Jesus did, it was final. Victory was claimed there. And we just get to live in it if we choose to. Amen? Let's bow our heads in this place. Maybe you're here and you realize, man, I've not been living into victory. I've, I've not been on the path that God has for me. There's some sin in my life. I can't shake it. Don't know how to deal with it. But you realize right now that the, the primary reason for that is because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like you recognize right now, there's a void in your life. You've been trying to fill it with things and experiences and relationships. But at the end of the day, you feel empty. And I'm telling you right now, the only thing that can fill that void, the relationship with Jesus, a real relationship with Jesus. So if that's you in this place, man, let's get it right, right now. No one's looking around, but would you just slip your hand up if that's you and you recognize right now, yeah, I need a relationship with Jesus. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. So for those who raised their hand, I'm going to lead a prayer, but it's not my prayer that is bringing your salvation. It's you putting your faith in Jesus. And you know, maybe you've done that before, but you recognize you wandered off the path and you need to come back home. 
I'm going to say this prayer. Would you just open up your heart and invite him in? Lord, we love you and we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you lived a perfect, sinless life so that you could be that perfect sacrifice on the cross to take away my sin, to take away everybody's sin. Lord, we put our faith in that and we believe that you were buried, but you did not stay in that grave. Lord, you rose again and you're alive today. So thank you. Now, Holy Spirit, that dwells within us, be our guide, be our strength, be our peace. God, when that temptation presents itself, thank you that we will look for a way out. God, thank you for those who just made that decision to either return to you or to give their life to you for the first time. And if you did, if you're in this room and you raised your hand, I encourage you, go up to one of these tables after church or go out to the tent. We have a Bible for you. We have a devotion for you. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But please do that. I'd love to just say a a closing prayer just for all of us. Maybe you're in this place and you see a lot of your life in Samson's patterns and decisions and choices. You know, you know that God has told you and called you, but you find yourself dabbling in sin or giving in to temptation, not looking for that way out that God promises us. But man, let's pray right now that God would be our strength in our time of need, that we would keep our eyes on him, that we would keep our vision, that we would recognize the Delilahs in our life that might be nagging at us and getting us to fall into temptation. Let's pray right now and ask God for his strength. God, we thank you for every person in this room. Thank you, Lord, that every person in this room has a destiny. God, a God-given destiny. I thank you, Lord, that, or maybe for the first time, their eyes will be open to that. And they will start walking that path. Lord, put people around us, Lord, to encourage us, keep us accountable. Or maybe there are areas of our lives, Lord, that we keep falling into temptation. Father, open our eyes and let us see the way out. Thank you, Lord God, that you always are our very present help in time of need. And you are our strength in our weakness. We pray all these things in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.